Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. I'm starting a new sermon series today that goes along with our 21 days of prayer. And the, 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 um, the theme is one matters. But today I want to kick the, ser- the sermon off, the series off, and preach on this subject, one soul matters. Luke chapter 15, uh, and we'll start reading verse 1 in, in a few moments. But uh, uh, right now, just look this way. One soul matters. We sometimes get hung up in, it's not just church world, we like big numbers, right? We like a lot of things. And that's true, man. In church world, we like big numbers. We, God liked big numbers. He always talked about big numbers. But what he never wanted us to do to overlook the importance of one person, one prayer, uh, one focus, all that, God wants us to remember the number one. And so uh, today I want to preach on this subject, one soul matters. Hey, before we dive in that, how many of you have ever taken an Uber before? Let me see your hand. You ever been on an Uber? Yeah, most of it surprised me, most of you. I take Ubers all the time when I travel and every year Uber releases its lost index. This is the statistics on the things that people leave behind in Uber cars. And so I thought, since we're talking about losses of the day, let's talk about, let's look at what Uber said. Now we don't have the 2020 report, they usually release it in the spring. We have the 2019 report, uh, and here, here's some of the things we learned. For example, we learned from Uber the 10 most commonly forgotten or lost items. And it's what you think it would be, phone, camera, wallet, keys, purse, clothing, uh, so forth and so on. It's kind of, if I ask you what was the number one lost thing on Uber, you'd probably say phone, that makes sense. Well, it goes on, it digs in a little bit deeper and they gave a list of the 50 most unique lost items in Uber. Now I'm not gonna show you 15, I I narrowed it down to uh, uh, 50. I'm not gonna show you 50, but I narrowed it down to 15. Number 15 on the list was a full fish tank with fish and water in the tank. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know what, who carries that around. 14 was a Japanese style mandolin. Don't know what that is. 13 is a fog machine because who doesn't have a fog machine in their pocket, right? You never know. You just need to throw some fog out somewhere. 12, Harry Potter's magic wand. I'm not sure why he just didn't wave it and bring them back. I'm confused on that. Number 11, I don't feel sorry for this guy. A McDonald's visor and a large fries. He'd worked at McDonald's all night, got an Uber to go home and he forgot his dinner in the Uber. That's sad, 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 but I'll, a white gold wedding band with diamonds, it's kind of a, a nice gift, a Babe Ruth signed baseball card, which would be worth more than the white gold wedding band with diamonds, I promise you. Number eight, two packs of Italian sausage and a Thanksgiving ham. <laughs> is that your ham or is that my ham? I don't know whose ham that is. Number seven, a Star Wars skateboard. I don't know if it's a hoverboard or what. Number six, birth certificate and social security card. Can you say hello, Mr. Identity Theft, right? Like that's made it easy for them. Number five, a professional grade hula hoop. Can we stop for just a moment? <laughs> now I hula hooped as a kid. Did anybody know that there's actually professional hula hooping going on somewhere in the world right now? I had no idea. And somebody lost a professional grade hula hoop. 
Nice. Number four, a full set of 18 karat gold teeth. Now, I'm not really sure how you forget your teeth, right? And like, especially they're made of gold, but I think what happened is the guy went to eat his large fries and realized he couldn't because he left the fries and his teeth in the car. Number three, a black and white tuxedo for a small dog. Right, because who doesn't buy their dog a tuxedo, right? I'm gonna call PETA if your dog doesn't have a tuxedo. tuxedo. Number six, two, six chicken tenders from 7-Eleven. And number one, an eight-week-old coffee-colored chihuahua. Did it not bark or anything as you were leaving it on the way? Yeah, but I got more. Wait, they tell us more. The 10 most forgetful cities. Number one, East Alabama, which is not a city. I love it that Uber just gave up on Alabama, right? Uber's just like, Whew, man, that whole right side of that state has issues going on over there. Well, Mr. Uber, what, what city do you want to put down? Just say East Alabama, man, that whole side of the state over there. And look, there's a couple of those, Mississippi Delta, or look at this, number seven, most forgivable cities, South Georgia. There's no South Georgia, just if you're below the Nat line, you got issues with Uber. Well, they also tell us the most forgetful days and times. For example, Uber riders are most forgetful on Saturdays and Sundays and late at night between 11 and 1 a.m. Because you shouldn't be out at night between 11 and 1 a.m. And then we saw the most forgetful days of the year were January 1st and October 29th or New Year when people celebrated New Year's and Halloween. Well, finally, let's talk about lost things. What do you lose on certain days? Uber tracks the things that are most lost on certain days of the week. So for here example, on Mondays, there are more watches lost on Mondays than any day of the week. Tuesdays, headphones, makes sense. Wednesdays, laptops. Thursday, books, I don't get that one. Fridays, passports. People come back from, forth from the airport, leave their passports. Saturday, phones. So today's Sunday, and what are, if you take an Uber today, what are you most likely to leave on an Uber? It's Sunday. What are you going to guess? Bibles. And you'd be wrong. Cakes. <laughs> How do cakes make a list on an Uber, right? Like, because you're carrying a cake around today too, right? You got to go, that's so strange to me. It's so strange that Uber reminds us that we lose a lot of stuff. Not only do we lose a lot of stuff, we lose a lot of weird stuff. Uber has this whole blog they do every year about the stuff we lose, but I want, to, I want you to know this morning, the Bible talks about, about, a lot about lost things too. Jesus, when you read his stories and his parables, most often talks about people who were lost. And in the middle of that, he talks about his passion for getting people found who are lost. And the Bible is full of stories of people who are coming to faith in Christ in the hundreds and even the thousands. But the Bible is also full of stories where people are getting saved in the ones. One Samaritan woman that Jesus had to go share the gospel with, John chapter 4. One uh, short little man who had to climb a tree named Zacchaeus that Jesus had to share the gospel with. The Bible is concerned about the hundreds and the thousands, but the Bible is also concerned about the ones. And listen, here's what I want to tell you, church. If we are going to reach 
Peavine City with the gospel of Jesus, which is the mission God has given us. Can I say this? I love it when six youth, we had six youth saved on our winter extreme. I love it when six youth get saved. I love it when three adults get saved. I love it when dozens of kids get saved in VBS or something like that. But all of that is a product of each one of us reaching one person at a time. Because every soul matters because one soul matters. And that's the point Jesus was trying to make in Luke chapter 15. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it, Luke chapter 15, it's the third book in the New Testament, it's about two thirds of the way through your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it or a digital device, you can look on the screen with me. Luke 15 verse one, and all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, follow me. There'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. Thank you, you may be seated. Jesus begins a series of parables here and he talks about lost things. He talks about the lost sheep, he talks about the lost coin, he's going to talk about a lost son. All of those are emphasizing the kingdom of God and our responsibility to help find lost things. So, and for the sake of time, let me dive in. Let me tell you four things that Jesus would say to us to help us understand that every soul matters, that one soul matters. Here's what he said, number one is this. If you're not careful, you'll miss the whole point of the story. If you're not careful, you'll miss the whole point of the Christian life. Luke 15 verse two, he said, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus's association with despicable people in the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees had been well documented. In this passage, we're told that he associates with two people they didn't like. Number one was tax collectors and number two was the general term for sinners. Now, let me tell you about tax collectors. Now, chances are you're not in love with your IRS agent today, unless you're married to them, of course, or you work at the IRS. We, we don't love the IRS in America, but that is nothing compared to Jesus's day. Let me tell you how it worked in Jesus's day. The Roman government would say to the tax collectors in the province, and I'm making up numbers, obviously, we want $100 in taxes from every household. According to the last census, you have about a thousand households in your province. So we want you to gather a hundred thousand dollars from your province, a hundred dollars a family, and you've got to turn that in in taxes and anything else you get, you get to keep. That's how the law worked. So tax collectors would come knocking on your door every year and they would say, I'm here to collect your taxes and you owe the Roman government a hundred and fifty dollars. And the homeowner might say, well, wait a minute. I heard the law was only $100. And the tax collector would say, now it's 175 And you might say, well, I don't have the money to pay that. They would say, well, let me come into your house and I will evaluate the items of value in your home and I will 
apply that towards your debt and I will take whatever I want. You say, well, what if you said that um, uh, I'm not gonna pay it? Then they had arrest powers and could put you in jail for not paying your taxes. So in short, they were extortionists. They could get out of you whatever they wanted. They could get different sums from different people. If you were antagonistic toward them, they could charge you more than they charged anybody else. It was the, it was the worst system imaginable. It was great for the Roman government, but it was terrible for the people. And tax collectors, collectors were hated, hated. They robbed people, they extorted them, they threw them in prison for no reason, and tax collectors were hated. And then there were sinners. Sinners meaning people who didn't have a real pristine resume. They might have had a jobs that we would consider uh, inappropriate. They might have been involved in things that we would consider not very nice. And so you've got Jesus who's out preaching and teaching the gospel to the people and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious crowd are there complaining and arguing with Jesus and the tax collectors and the sinners are there hearing the same message and they're getting saved and coming to Jesus. The very people Jesus had come to reach were those tax collectors and those sinners. And the religious crowd missed the whole point. Jesus tried to explain it to him. He says later on in Luke chapter 15, Jesus replied to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was trying to tell them, hey, you missed the whole point. The whole point of me coming to earth was before those uh, tax collectors you hate was for those sinners you hate. Because if you're already saved, if you're already religious, if you already know God, you've gotten it. But the world is full of people who are far from God. And while you go off and talk about how bad they are, I'm coming to reach them with the gospel. Now listen to this. The religious crowd had missed the whole point of their existence. They thought the point was their holy huddle and staying away from the world. And can I tell you this church, that when a church or a Christian retreats to their holy huddle and pushes the world away, it's not what Christ intended. As a matter of fact, can I say this? If we get to the point as a church where we're happy with our holy huddle, where we're glad about uh, the excitement we have on Sunday and about I want it exciting and I love it, when we're happy about all that and we lose our compassion for a world that is far from God, we have missed the whole point of why God has Peavine Baptist Church in existence and why he's left you here. You miss the whole point. The other day we were going home after church on a Sunday and we were always in separate cars because I get here so early on Sunday and Sherry called me on the way home and she said, um, um, uh, hey, what do you want for Sunday lunch? And don't judge me, but I said, hey, here's what I'd really like to have. I'd really like for you to go by Publix and I would like you for, to, for you to get some blackjack cherry ice cream and that's what I'm gonna eat for lunch. Don't judge me. I preached three times this morning. Hey, I, I, if I want a little ice cream, I need a little ice cream. And so she said, and that's not, you know, I mean, obviously I can stand to put on a few pounds, right? A amen, right, right, come on. Amen. Thank you, Denny. 
So I said, I want some black jack cherry ice cream. And by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, that if you like chocolate and cherry ice cream, I I prefer this over the name brands. And when Publix came to our area, I was so excited because I was gonna get to get black jack cherry ice cream again. And I absolutely love it. I mean, my mouth, my mind craves it. If you've not had it, listen to me, it will change your life. It is a religious experience is what it is. And I told my wife, here's all I want for, it's all I want for lunch. Go by and get me some ice cream. She said, right, here's what I'll do. She said, I'll swing by Publix. I'll pick up a few things and maybe grab some other stuff. And then I'll bring you home some blackjack cherry ice cream. She knows I like it. And I'm like, yes. And you know what? You know what happens when she's going to do that, right? You know what happens? You, you, you get the taste of it in your mouth and you can't like drool starts coming out right down through here. Like I had to get a cloth diaper and just hold it under my mouth because like drool's coming out and I can taste it. It's in my mind. It's in my taste buds. It's, I mean, like I've done everything, but put it in my, like I got it, man. This is so good. I'm experiencing it before I'm experiencing it. It's like planning a vacation, right? Uh, science tells us that you get just as much excitement out of planning a vacation as you do actually attending the vacation. Do you know that? And Black Jack Cherry ice cream is the same way. I just, I get as much fun about thinking about eating it as I do about eating it. She came home and put all the groceries out. And I'm going through the bags like this. I found chickle, chicken. I found vegetables. What? Is there bags in the car? She's not brought them all in. She said, I forgot. So I called the divorce attorney. We started dividing things up. (laughs) I try to be religious. It's really hard to get mad at somebody when you've just preached three times. I probably preached on forgiveness that day and all that stuff and yada, 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 yada. I I mean, hey, this Bible's great till somebody don't bring home blackjack cherry ice cream and it's it's every man for himself at that point. I, I don't understand. The only reason, I mean, we were going to Taco Bell otherwise. The only reason you went to Publix was to get, she said, I know, Joel, but I, I started just getting other stuff and, and I started, and then I somehow I forgot about it. But listen to me, it is the only reason you went to Publix. <laughs> she missed the whole point. In my mind, as I've replayed it over and over again with the, uh, counselor that I've been going to, I see her, I see her going down the frozen section and she's got chicken and vegetables and stuff in there. Nobody cares about going down the frozen section. And she, she pushed that buggy right by the cherry ice cream and it called out to her, cherry. (laughs) Got to get it off the screen, but, uh, the only reason she went to Publix was to get the ice cream. And while she was there, she missed the point of her entire trip to being there. And listen to me. Jesus does not discount holiness. Hear me carefully. 
Jesus was absolutely perfect, never sinned. And he hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with the worst of the worst and the baddest of the baddest. But Jesus never sinned. Jesus never participated in their sin with him. Jesus always took their sin and pointed it to Calvary and pointed it to him to find forgiveness. But here's what he knew. It was more important to reach people with the message of the gospel than it was for him to go up in some kind of holy huddle with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious Christ. Crowd. And the religious crowd missed the whole point. They missed the whole point. They were in public and never went down the ice cream aisle. They missed the whole point. Listen to me, church. Every church and every Christian has to fight the disease of Phariseeism and religiousosity. Say, what do you mean? I say, once you find Christ, the world will lose its appeal. Did you hear that? Once you find Christ, the world will lose its appeal. Once the spirit of God gets in your heart, this culture is hard to take. The vulgarness of this culture is hard to bear with. The beliefs and the sinfulness of this culture is hard to deal with. And so you know what we do? We retreat to our Bible studies. We retreat to our safe places. We retreat to our Christian environments. Before long, we aren't trying to reach the world. We're spending all our time throwing rocks at the world. And you know what? We act surprised when people far from God do things that people far from God would do. Do you know what sinners are gonna do? Sin. Write it down in your notes. Sinners gonna sin. If they're, and we get mad at them because they're far from God. Turn on the news, I don't watch the news, but you can turn the news on. You know what you see? Sinner after sinner after sinner after sinner doing what? Sin. So you know what we do? We retreat to our holy huddles and we throw rocks at the sinners. You know what Jesus said, do? Jesus said, if you're retreating to your holy huddle, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, you know what you're doing? When you retreat to your holy huddle and you disengage from the world, you miss the whole point of why God has you here. Can I tell you this? You know what heaven is? Heaven is an eternal holy huddle. You know the one thing I can't do in heaven I can do now? Rescue somebody from the pits of hell. That's it. We'll sing to Jesus. I'll have a great voice in heaven, by the way. Fantastic voice in heaven. I want to lead Mike, and I want to play the guitar like Don did. That's what I want to do. We got all of eternity to do that. But it's only in this world, with you at the Rossville campus, with you at the Rock Spring, whether you live in Lafayette, whether you live in Ringgold, whether you live in Fort Oglethorpe, Chattanooga, Ottawa, wherever you come from, listen to me, listen to me. God didn't call us to be in a holy huddle. That misses the whole point. Now, we ought to huddle up every Sunday, man. We ought to huddle up every Sunday and celebrate and shout and get the energy and the enthusiasm and go forward in the next week. But what we're supposed to do is to launch ourselves from Sunday to a lost and dying world that needs Jesus and tell them about him. We don't, we miss the whole point. Here's the second thing Jesus would say. Number two, one is greater than 99. Here's what he said. What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? 
So here's the story. Uh, shepherd has been tending his sheep. He has a hundred one. He brings them in at, for, at the night. He brings them into an open field that would have had a gate and all this other stuff. He'd have had uh, some uh, apprentice shepherds there with him and they, they put them all up for the night and they're doing their nightly roll call and they have a hundred sheep and they count and they only have 99 and one is missing. And so Jesus says, you know this, any good shepherd would leave the 99 already in the fold who are cared for and safe and go out and find the one that was lost. It was the sensible thing to do. It was the natural thing to do. Here's what Jesus was saying. It is natural to care about the one that is not safe over the one, those that are safe. And here's the point Jesus was trying to make. That as long as there are people around you who do not know Jesus as Savior, the one who is lost is greater than the 99 who are saved. You say, well, well, what does that mean? Here's what that means. That means as a church, we love you. We care about you. We're thrilled about, I'm part of the 99 that was saved. Like we're thrilled about all of that. But here's what that means. We spend more of our time, energy, and resources finding the one than we do caring about the 99. But most churches and Christians have it all reversed. We spend all of our time, energy, and resources petting the 99 while the one around us dies and goes to hell. We were, we were little, uh, uh, my girls were little and uh, we were um, at Home Depot one night with some friends. And Michaela, who's the mother of my grandchild, uh, she's about four years old and we'd, we'd gone to Home Depot after we had went, after we uh, had gone out to eat with some, uh, a couple friend of ours. And so we went to Home Depot and the, the ladies went one way and the men went another. And I didn't know it, but Sherry had said to me, Joel, Michaela is gonna go with you, but I didn't hear that had power tools on my mind. I didn't hear it. And so we went a few aisles over. We're looking at some power tools, me and this other guy. And they came across the intercom and they said, um, uh, will the parents of the girl in the watermelon dress please come to the front? I didn't hear it. About a minute later, would the parents of the girl in the watermelon dress please come to the front? I didn't hear it. About a minute later. Would the parents of the girl in the watermelon dress please come to the front? I didn't hear it, but the guy that was with me said, Joel, was Michaela wearing a watermelon dress? And when he said it, it's like God lifted a veil from my eyes and I heard it all. I heard the guy announcer saying it. I remembered him saying it, just hadn't soaked in. And I want to tell you, I shot all, I shot toward the front like I've been shot out of a cannon. I go up front and here's what I see. I see I see Michaela up front. She's standing with a stranger and tears are just streaming down her face. And I see Sherry coming from another direction, headed the same place. And uh, Michaela's life didn't flash before my eyes. My life flashed before my eyes. I mean, I got up there as fast as I could. Sherry and I converged about the same time. Sherry was kind of got tears in her eyes. She had a little nervous. And I looked at her and I said, baby, what's the big deal? We got another one. <laughs> the other one's older. It's already potty trained. It's eaten. I, look, I, why are we so worried about this one? I got another one. No, I didn't say that. The reason you know I didn't say that is I'm alive today. No, why? Why? Because one, when one is safe and one is lost, in that moment, the one who is lost is greater than the one who is safe. Can you agree with me on that? In that moment, 
The one who is lost is greater than the one who is safe. Listen to me, when one is lost and one is safe, the lost one is greater than the safe one. The lost one in that moment is more important than the safe one. Listen, I love, can I tell you this? I love it that we at P-Vine, we have a great student ministry. Man, Nathan does a fantastic job. I love it that we have great kids ministry. Uh, Heather does a fantastic job. I love it that we have great worship. I love it that we have a, a great preaching. Say amen right there. I love it. I love it that we're averaging in a church over 1,500 a week. I love that. But listen, if we aren't careful, we get so focused on how many we have and we forget the reason we're here is how many we don't have. There are 497,000 souls in Peavine City, a 20 mile radius of where I stand today is Peavine City. There are 497,000 souls. 50% of them will not be in any house of worship at all today. Not a, not a, not a Mormon church, not a Buddhist temple, not a, uh, not a mosque, nothing. 50% of them will not, church will not even cross their mind. That's 250,000 people. A church will not even cross their mind today. And get this, studies tell us 80% of them are lost and on their way to hell. Even the percent that are going to a different church, uh, uh, that a hefty percentage of them aren't even going to a church that preaches the gospel or believes the right way. And that's why we say around here, it's not about filling the building, it's about reaching a city because listen, if the goal was fill the building, we'd just build the smallest building we could find, fill it up and shout hallelujah. The goal has never been how many are safe. The goal has always been how many are lost. And by the way, can I say this? If it was you that was lost, you would want us to do all we could, can to reach you with the gospel. If it's your spouse that was lost, you'd want us to do all we can to help you reach them with the gospel. If it's your kids who were lost, you would want us to do everything we can to reach them with the gospel. Can I say this? That's why around here we don't get hung up on preferences. We don't marry methods. We don't use churchy words. The lost don't need us to explain the theology of a life preserver. They just need us to throw them one. So we build a church so that lost people can be saved, not so that found people can be petted. Here's what Paul says, one of the most important verses in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, 33, I don't just do what is best for me, Paul said. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Can I tell you that's our goal as a church? We're gonna go after the one. I thank God for the 99. I love the 99. I appreciate the 99. And listen, but we're gonna go after the one. Why? Because you used to be the one. It used to be you. And now we come here, recharge our batteries. We celebrate, we shout, all that's great. I wanna shout every Sunday. I wanna celebrate every Sunday. But then I want us to slingshot out of here and go to a lost and dying world and tell them about Jesus. Let me ask you a question. As a Christian, are you willing to give up your preferences and rights so that somebody may be saved? Paul said, I don't, I don't do what I want. I do what the best thing so others may be saved. You say, what are you talking about getting on my prayer? And look, I'm not seeing anything this week. I just feel like I have to say this every now and then. This where we live in. But listen, are you willing to give up your right to rant and rave on Facebook to keep your witness intact so people can be saved? Do you know every time you rant and rave on Facebook, people look at that and say, well, 
Supposed to be a Christian. Supposed to be a Christian. Number three, here's what Jesus was saying. We'll just mention it and go on quickly. Number three, sometimes you have to carry people to Jesus. Verse five, he said, when he found the lost sheep, he put it on his shoulders. I don't know what caused the shepherd to carry the sheep, hurt, exhausted, wounded, to comfort the sheep, but the shepherd did whatever it took to get the lost in the fold. I'm gonna say this and move on. Some of you here today know a lost sheep. You know a lost person. Here's what I wanna encourage you. You may have to go the extra mile. You say, what, what do you mean extra mile? You may have to go the extra mile in prayer. Uh, hey, Lord, save them may not be good enough. You may have to set aside some time to pray and, and beg God for their soul. You may have to go the extra mile in loving them. You may have to go the extra mile in serving them. You may have to go the extra mile in kindness toward them. You may have to go the extra mile in witness to them. Jesus put the sheep on his shoulder and carried it back in the fold. And some of you here today, you know somebody that's lost. You know somebody that's far from God. And just telling them, inviting the church may not do it. You may have to carry them to Jesus. And then number four, and I'm finished. Here's what Jesus would say to us today as a church. There's nothing more exciting than bringing people to Jesus. I love this verse. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Now I want to tell you, some people feel like, well, you're throwing shade at the same people. No, I'm one of the same people. I'm one of you too. But God's trying to get a point across. Do you know this? You never have to tell people to take care of the saved people. We do that naturally. But you have to fight like I'll get out to get people to care about the lost people. Can I tell you that there's not going to be an information test in heaven? That takes some pressure off of you, doesn't it? You're not going to have to know what the books of the Bible are in order. I know them. You may know them. That's good you know them. It's great being a disciple. That test is not in heaven. You're not going to have to know. Uh, and when you get to heaven, you're going to have to recite the 12 apostles, circle their names. You're not going to have to know about the cherubim and how many wings they had and the song they sang. You're not going to have to explain the 144,000 and who they are, where they came from, what they're doing, where they're going. You don't know any of that. Did you know that the test in heaven is basically three questions? Here they are. Number one is this. Do you know Jesus? That's the big question, right? If you say no to that, you're kicked over to a place that's called the great white throne judgment. You'll be judged because you don't know God and you'll spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire. Eternity where it never, ever ends. If you say yes, you'll be asked this question, okay? Did you live for Jesus? See, this Bible's not given us to us as a book of information. It's given to us as a book of transformation. I don't memorize a, a Bible verse so I can memorize a Bible verse. I memorize a Bible verse so that Bible verse can live through me. And then the third question you'll be asked is this. What did you do to help others find him? What did you do to help others find him? What did you do to help others find him? That's the whole Bible message summed up in three questions. Do you know Jesus? Do you live for him? And what are you doing to help others find him? That's the entire Christian life. And Jesus told us this, that heaven gets excited when someone who was bound for an eternity in hell trusts Jesus is now is bound for an eternity in heaven. So close your Bibles. And let me get real practical for just a moment. Jesus said there were 99 found sheep, safe, sound, and saved. And then there was one lost one 
who was on its way to hell. Church, look this way. Who is your one? There's 99, hey, we all know 99 saved people, right? Who is your one? Who's your one that you're willing to pray for, witness to, invite to church, serve, love, and sacrifice for? Who is your one? Most of you have heard of a guy named Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss is buried here in Chattanooga. Daniel just told me. I didn't know that. He's from Lynchburg, Virginia. But Desmond Doss was famous. Mel Gibson really immortalized him with the movie Hacksaw Ridge. Thousands of Japanese and American soldiers were killed on Hacksaw Ridge. Dawes, who's pictured here at the very top, survived the battle of Hacksaw Ridge. He's a skinny kid from Lynchburg, Virginia. He was a seventh-day Adventist who, who enlisted in the army, but he would not touch a gun, vowed he would never kill, and he took the Sabbath off. The army wanted him gone. They said he just didn't fit into the mold of what the army thought a good soldier would be. Terry Benedict, who did a documentary on his life called The Conscientious Objector. They said in the documentary that they made Doss's life miserable during training. They said it started out as harassment and became abusive. While he was praying for them by name, they would throw their shoes at him while he was on his knees. They, they, they just believed he shouldn't have been allowed in the army. Captain, Captain Jack Glover who was the captain of his platoon, tried to get him transferred. And Dawes said to him, hey, uh, don't ever doubt my courage because I'll be right by your side saving lives while you take life. And Jack Glover said, you'll never be by my side if you don't have a gun. But they couldn't force Dawes out because 1940, the army had passed a, a law that said you could serve peacefully in the army. And so they enlisted him in a, as a medic. And then came Hacksaw Ridge. They had to climb the sheer face of the ridge. And when they got on top, the ridge was full of caves and holes the Japanese had dug out. The Japanese called the top the rain of steel because so many bullets were flying. As Americans were climbing to the top, the casualties mounted and mounted and mounted. Finally, Doss climbed to the top. And one by one, he began rescuing wounded soldiers, pulling them one by one. He would drag them over to the ridge while, to the crest while bullets were flying. He would tie them and lower them down. He'd go back and get another one. Oftentimes he was crawling on his stomach, crawling with his hands and his knees, sometimes walking through enemy fire. One person said who watched him do it, it's as if God had his hand on Dawson's shoulder. It's the only explanation I can give. Over the 12 hour battle, 75 lives, including Captain Jack Glover's, were saved by Private Doss. They did the last documentary on his life. And they said, what was going through your mind as you were dragging those 75 men over a 12-hour period to safety, away from certain death? Here's what he said. He said, I was praying, Lord, Please help me get one more. Please help me get one more. Please help me get. I feel like it's the same prayer Jesus would have told us to pray in Luke chapter 15. 
I think Jesus could have said, and so here's the prayer you pray when the lost sheep is lost. Lord, please, please, let me get one more. The one may be my parents, it may be my kids, it may be my spouse, it may be my coworker, it may be my neighbor, it may be my friend, it may be somebody I met at a restaurant. Lord, 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 please help me get one more. Day one of the devotion, I ask you to write down who is your one. I have a list of people one day a week. I pray for by name every uh, uh, week. Lord, save these people. Lord, use me, use somebody to save them. Who is your one? Who is it that you're praying for every week and every day? I want you to write it down somewhere. Put it in a note on your phone. Put it in a post-it note in your car. Put it down in that, wherever it is. Listen, pray for your one. God, help me get one more. Why? Because every soul matters and one soul matters. So who's your one? Who is it that God has placed in your path for you to be a witness to, to be a light to, to share Jesus with, invite them to church? Who's your one? I'm gonna ask you to stand with me across the building. And a few years ago, I asked you to uh, do something. Many of you are new since then, but a few years ago, I asked you to give 1% of your day praying for Peavine City, for the lost in Peavine City, praying for your staff, your church. I'm gonna ask you to renew that commitment today I'm gonna ask you to pray for Peavine City, your church, but I'm also gonna ask you to pray for your one. Here's what I want you to do. Our staff is gonna come and we've got these bracelets and they just say, Peavine City, one matters. Every soul matters, one soul matters. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to covenant together for 15 minutes a day. Whenever your 15 minutes is, it's probably gonna be all day long. The reason I want you to wear this bracelet is every time you see it, every time, I want you to say a prayer for your one, your ones for Peavine City, for your church, so that we can reach every person in Peavine City with the gospel. We'll only do it one at a time. So I'm gonna pray, Josh is gonna sing. And if you'll make that commitment with us, I'm gonna ask you just to walk down to the altar, grab a bracelet and commit to pray. Father, help us this morning to be concerned about the one, all of us have at least one soul in our life that matters. It matters if they're going to die and go to hell. It matters if they trust Jesus as their Savior. Lord, let us not take it lightly because one soul matters. It matters to you. It matters to us. So Lord, we're going to covenant together as a church ask God to do an amazing thing and help us find the lost sheep that are in our area. Lord, may 2020 be an amazing year of people being saved. May it start today. In Jesus' name. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.